salvation. See, when he authored our life, he filled it with goodness. He filled it with blessings. He ordered, the Bible says, the number of days that we would live. He, he ordered the number of hairs that would be upon our heads. If he took the time to do all of that, we just thank God for such a wonderful Savior. Amen. Thankful that you are in the house of the Lord once again. You've come to hear the word of the Lord. I pray that you're prepared for that. But before we go to the word of God, as we always do, let's just go to him one more time in prayer. Ask for his anointing to be upon you and his anointing to be upon me as well. Father, we just thank you that you are the author of salvation. That you rose, Father God, and conquered the grave. And because you did that, we can walk in newness of life. Because you did that, we can gather together in the house of God and just be touched by you and blessed by you, Father God, and have fellowship with you. We thank you, Father, that you've brought us out of darkness and into your glorious light. And I pray that that light would shine upon us this evening, Father God. The the light of your Holy Spirit would shine upon my mind and upon my heart. That it would come forth from my lips, Father God, and that it would shine brightly upon your people. I pray, Father, that that same light that you send through me would touch your people this evening. I pray that they would receive your word, God, understand your word, that there would be clarity in your word, and that it would just change us, Father God, that we would be more 
like your son, Jesus Christ. As we always do, God, I pray against every hindering spirit, every distraction, Father God, everything that would try to come and disrupt and disturb the word of God that's being delivered. Maybe it's anxiousness. Maybe it's fear, Father God. Maybe it's the cares of this day and the cares of this week. But I pray that they would all be settled and set aside so that the Word of God and the Spirit of God would reign supreme in your house. We thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Last week, if you weren't with us, we had began our current series on kingdom living and what it truly means to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. What our rights and our privileges and our responsibilities are as children of the King and children of the light and children of the Lord. And I want us to remember that as we learned last week in Acts 17:28, it reminds us that we are his offspring. And as his offspring, we are born into a kingdom that's filled with rights. And we're born into a kingdom that's filled with privileges and promises and power and blessings. But before I even get to that, I believe I need to lay a foundation. And I need to remind you that even though the, the, the prodigal son that I talked about last week, that once he came back home, he got to wear that ring. I want to remind you that while he was in that pig pen, he wasn't wearing a ring. I want you to remember that while he was in that pig pen, he wasn't enjoying the, the blessings of the Father. He wasn't enjoying the authority of the Father and the goodness of the Father. I want us to remember, it's great to talk all about the blessings, and it's great to talk about that table that we can sit at, but I must lay a foundation and let us understand that we can't walk in our own ways and think we can enjoy the blessings of God. So in this series, last week we talked all about the the principle of priority, that before we can enjoy the kingdom of God and the blessings of God and all of these things that the kingdom of God contains, we've got to get our priorities in order. We've got to get our priorities straight. We've got to get them right at home. We've got to get them right at job. We've got to get them right at church. Get them right in our marriage. But especially we've got to get them right between us and our Father, which is in heaven. This week, I want to talk to you about the government of God or the principle of the government of God, because these are some of the things that we have to understand and some of the things that must be established in our lives before the kingdom of God can come into our lives. Amen. Now, that's what we're going to look at this evening. I want us to remember that there are rights and privileges, like I said, and promises that are made available to all of us who are in Christ Jesus, the Lord. A passage that reminds us of that is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, and it says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news, who believe in the gospel and receive the gospel, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children, reminding us that as God's children there is an inheritance that we will receive, an inheritance that we can expect as long as we are His children. Both are part of the same body, the Word says, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Jesus Christ. So what the Word of God is telling us is that everyone who is in Christ and not in the world has blessings and promises that can come into their life. What the Word of God is telling us is that everyone who is born again, not of earthly seed, but of heavenly seed, not of carnal seed, but of supernatural seed, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, everyone who is born again into the kingdom of God is born again as a child of promise and a child of blessing. I want to sidetrack just for a minute here to let you know that if you're a parent, 
If you are a mother or you are a father, you have an obligation and a responsibility to sow blessings and sow promises into your children. I want you to realize that if God has graced you with a son or a daughter and you call yourself a Christian or you call yourselves part of the family of God, you and I have a responsibility to sow blessings and sow promises into the lives of our children. Because if you don't sow blessings, the devil will sow a curse. If you don't sow promises, the devil will sow lies. We need to understand that just like we as sons and daughters of the Most High God have privileges and blessings sown into our life, we must sow those same blessings and promises into the lives of our children, or they will live in darkness and they will live a lie, and they will not experience the kingdom of God coming into their lives. That was just a side note that the Holy Spirit wanted me to make sure we cover. It's not enough to just bring them to church. It's not enough to just put them under Pastor JC's care, put them under Pastor David's care. It is our responsibilities as moms and dads to sow the blessings of the kingdom into the lives of our children. And it should be an expectation if we are a son or daughter too to have those same blessings sown into our life from our parents as well. This is just the way the kingdom of God works, church. I'm not exactly sure how many promises are listed in Scripture. I'm not sure if there's 365 like some believe, and I'm not sure if there's 2,000 or 3,000, or I've even read 5,000 promises listed in the Word of God. I'm not sure how many are listed, but regardless of how many there are, whether there's one for every day or 200 for every day, all we need to know is that when it comes to being offspring of the King, all of His promises belong to His children. All of his promises are available to his children. All of his promises, whether there's 365 or 3,065, every single one of them can be claimed by those who are in Jesus Christ. No matter how many promises are listed, like I said, all of them are yes and amen to those who believe. All of them, church, all of his promises are available to us. And all that all we need to know is that God is faithful to every single one of them. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he would change his mind. The Bible says when he speaks, he acts. And when he promises, he fulfills. God is a keeper of his promises, church. And every single one of them are, are available to the children of God. So if we call ourselves children of God, we need to begin to understand uh, what those rights and what those privileges are. We can't claim them unless we're positioned properly for them. But if we're positioned properly for them, we can ask God to provide them into our lives, church. This is what we have to understand. The problem is far too many of us are trying to claim promises that don't belong to us because we don't belong to Jesus. There's far too many individuals out there trying to claim the promises of God without belonging to Jesus. You see, unless you belong to Jesus, unless you understand that I am no longer my own, that I've been bought with a price, and therefore I'm supposed to glorify God in my body, none of those promises belong to me. If I'm going to walk in my own ways instead of the ways of God, if I'm not going to yield myself to the kingdom of God, if I'm not going to live my life like I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, 
Christ, I can forget about any blessing and any promise and any power and any anointing coming into my life. You see, there are some prerequisites when it comes to receiving the kingdom of God in our life. But the reality is, there's too many people in the house of God, church, not talking about you. I'm talking in general. Too many people in the house of God who have yet to live like they have been bought by Jesus. And yet they want all the blessings of the kingdom flowing into their lives. But that's not the way it works, church. What we have to realize is that if we want the kingdom of God to be fulfilled in our lives, we've got to yield ourselves to the government of God in our lives. I hope you're grasping that as we go. So many individuals want the kingdom of God to be fulfilled in their lives without the government of God ruling over their lives. This is what we're going to talk about tonight. When it comes to the government of God, it means that we have an authority greater than ourselves seated on the throne of our heart. It means that everything we do, we do according to the government of God and not the government of Jeff or the government of flesh or the government of lust or the government of darkness or the government of man. Everything that we do... When we are born again, should be done according to the government of God. And when we do that, church, and we yield ourselves to the government of God, then the kingdom of God begins to come into our life. This is what we need to understand, church. One of the other things that we cannot forget is that Jesus is the government of God. What we can't forget is that unto us a child was born... And unto us a son was given, and the Bible says that the government of God would be upon his shoulders, and of that government there would be no end. You see, I want you to remember that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. I want you to understand that when Jesus walked around on the earth, He walked around as the government of God. He walked around with the power of God, and the authority of God, and the mercy of God, and the grace of God, and the wisdom of God, and the intellect of God, and the anointing of God. I want you to understand that Jesus is the government of God. Jesus was the Word made flesh, which reminds us that this is the government of God. And if we cannot have our lives, if our lives are not established and built, church, and wrapped around the government of God, which is the Word of God, we cannot expect the kingdom of God to come into our lives. You see, the reality is, if we don't build our lives on the government of God, the only thing we'll receive from God is His wrath. There's coming a day, listen, it is, it's the way I place before you today a blessing and a curse, Jesus said. A blessing if you follow the government of God, but a curse if you don't. A blessing if you follow in my ways and walk in my ways and cling to my ways and love my ways, but a curse if you don't. You see, if we don't allow the government of God to be established in our lives, then we're going to face a different side of the kingdom of God than we want. But this is what we have to realize, church, that Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God and the will of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, like I said, all of which were offered to us through the government of God, which is Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Understand what I'm saying? Without Jesus Christ, there's no conquering. Without Jesus Christ, there's no righteousness. Without Jesus Christ, there's no mercy and grace. Without Jesus Christ, there's no power of salvation. Without Jesus Christ, there's no entrance into the kingdom of God. And there's no coming of the kingdom into our lives. 
This is what we need to understand regarding the government of God. But sadly, church, the, the world and even many in the church want everything God has except Jesus. We want everything the kingdom of God has, but we don't want the government of God attached. Oh God, I want your kingdom to come into my life. And I want your power to come into my life. And I want your blessings to come into my life. But can I have it without your government? Can I have it without your rule? Can I have it without your established standards uh, being imparted or implemented or required in my life? And the answer is no, you can't. And no, I can't. If I want the goodness of God and the kingdom of God to come into my life, I must have the government of God established first. The rule of God established first. This is what we have to understand, that there's a lot of individuals out there that want the goodness of God, like I said, without the government of God telling them what to do. Oh, God, I want all these blessings, but don't tell me how to live. God, I want all these blessings, but don't tell me how to talk. I want all these blessings, but don't tell me who to date and who to marry. I want all these blessings and all your power, and I want all this stuff that the kingdom has to do. But I don't want your word infringing on my freedom. I don't want your word infringing on on the, the, the fun that I'm having. And see, the, the house of God is filled with individuals just like that. The world is filled with individuals just like that. Listen, I once was just like that. But I had to come to a point where I allowed the government of God to be established upon my soul. That any time I wanted to do something, I had to consult the government of God. That every time I made a move, I needed to consult the government of God. That every time I was about to take some kind of action, I needed to make sure it aligned itself with the government of God. Because if it didn't, His promises and His protection and His provisions couldn't be expected by me. It amazes me how many of us walk away from the government of God, and then we go whining and complaining... When the blessings don't follow, when we find ourselves in a hellhole, when we find ourselves in the middle of darkness or wrapped up in a bunch of junk. Because we have discarded the government of God upon our life. We cannot live in the light without the government of God being established in our lives, church. Listen. That's why Jesus ended up on a cross 2,000 years ago. And why the church still crucifies him today, church, because we would rather be happy than holy. Because we'd rather feel good than be in right position with God. And this is what we have to realize, church. What we have to realize is the word of God didn't say that without happiness you won't see the kingdom of God. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that without happiness you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. What it says is without holiness, we shall not see God. It says without holiness, we won't walk on streets of gold. Without holiness, the kingdom of God won't descend on my life now. And I can't expect to enter into it later. Now, you see, we're living in a generation where we'd rather be happy than holy. You see, the United States is filled with pulpits that preach happiness instead of holiness. I hope you understand what I'm talking about, church. Holiness has to do with the government of God. Happiness just has to do with your surroundings and being made to feel good. I wonder how good Jesus felt while he was hanging on a cross. I wonder how happy Jesus was as he yielded himself to the government of God. 
I wonder how good he felt as he hung on a cross and considered you and I. He wasn't happy. He was happy to do his father's will. But he wasn't happy in his circumstance. And boy, listen to me. If we could ever get to that place where Jesus was, where we're happy to do the will of the Father, where we're happy to yield ourselves to the kingdom of God, just like Jesus was exalted to a place beside his Father, when you and I begin to practice the will of God and are happy to do the will of God and happy to yield ourselves to the government of God, that's when we find ourselves seated in heavenly places. That's when we find ourselves above the problems and above the mess and above the lack and above the depression and above the fear and above the anxiety. It's when we are yielded to the government of God and we have that principle established in our life. You see, this world thinks they can reject the government of God and still end up in the kingdom of God. One of the trends in society today is, you see it all the time, church, one of the trends today is the acceptance of God, but the rejection of Jesus. The acceptance, you see it all the time. Everybody in the world accepts God. Oh, 90% of America says, I believe in God. There's an acceptance of God, but there is a rejection of Jesus. There's an acceptance of God, but there's a rejection of His government. There's an acceptance of God, but there's a rejection of His rule. There's an, ex- there's an acceptance of God, but there's a rejection of His commandments. It's why they're not in the, it's why they're not in the school, and it's why they're not in the, in the, uh, the courts, and it's, it's why you can't even speak the name of Jesus in a lot of public places today, because there's an acceptance of God, because God can be anything you want Him to be. But Jesus is something else. Jesus represents the government of God. Jesus represents the authority of God. Jesus represents the established standards of God. And man doesn't like to be inconvenienced by them. That's why we kick them out of school and why we kick them out of our lives and we kick them out of this. Because we don't want the government of God telling us how to live. Just bless me, God. But leave the government aside. Bless me, God. But leave Jesus alone. Leave Jesus out of it, church. This is what we have to understand, that thousands of individuals think that there's a, a, a thousands of ways to God, thousands of ways to His glory, thousands of ways to His presence, thousands of ways to His kingdom, but it's all a lie. There's only one way to the kingdom of God, and that is through Jesus. It is through Jesus, who is the government of God, church. So this is what you need to realize, that when Jesus said, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through me, what Jesus was saying, there's only one way to the kingdom of God, and that's through the Word of God and the government of God, which is me. Which is me. When Jesus said, I'm the way to the Father, He was saying, I am the government that you must yield to. I'm the authority that you must bow to. What He was saying is that I am the Word that you must believe in and grab on to. Because if you don't, you shall not see the kingdom of God, He said. John 3, 3 and 5, no one shall see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And He goes on in 5 and says, no one shall enter the kingdom of God without being born of the flesh and born again of the Spirit of God. That's what we have to realize and understand. That Jesus is the only way to the kingdom, to God's glory and to God's power. Jesus is the only way to His authority to the rights and the privileges 
that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. But it's why I need to lay the foundation now. You see, there are promises and blessings that are available in this life and in the life to come. As sons and daughters of God. We don't have to wait till we're in the by and by. We don't have to wait till we're on the, 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 the sides of glory in heaven. There is a kingdom that can come into our lives right now, but only if we have the government of God established in our lives. Unless we have the principle of priorities put in place and the principle of the government of God established in our lives, church. The truth is, without being born again of the Spirit of God and yielded to the government of God, we cannot make claims to the kingdom of God. Without Christ, the kingdom of God, like I said, cannot come into our lives now and we can't enter later. These are reality is, church, when we are born of the flesh, we were born into a kingdom of darkness. When you and I, when you and I took our first breath, when you and I were birthed from our mother's womb, when you and I were born carnally and born of the flesh, church, we were born into a kingdom of darkness. Paul actually says in Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness. You were once darkness. I read that several times. I've read it before. You were once darkness. And the more I studied it, he wasn't saying, look, you weren't just born into darkness. You were born darkness. You were born as the, the substance of evil. You were born as the substance of corruption. I mean, that's pretty tough. I'm just a little baby coming out of my mama's wound, and God is saying, you were born corrupt. You were born evil. You were born wicked. You were born unrighteous. You were once darkness. But now that you are born again... Now, now that you have crucified the flesh, now that you are part of Christ and Christ is part of you, now you are light, the Bible says, and you ought to walk as children of light. The problem is we're still walking around like corruption, and we're still walking around like wickedness, and we're still walking around like lust, and walking around like greed. We are walking around like the substance of darkness instead of the substance of light, and we wonder why the kingdom of God isn't coming into our life. You see, what God is telling us is that you were once darkness, but because of the work of my son Jesus Christ and you accepting him into your life, now you are light. And you ought to walk as children of light and talk as children of light and live as children of light. Like I talked last week and give like children of light and worship like children of light and love like children of light and be patient like children of light and forgiving like children of light. And I could go on and on and on and on, but you get my point. You should live like children of light, the Bible says. And when you do, the kingdom of glory will begin to come upon your life, church. We have to realize, church, that that this world is the devil's kingdom of darkness. This is the devil's kingdom. This is this world, church, not just America, not just this world is the kingdom of darkness, church. It is a kingdom that is destined for destruction. And why do you think Jesus said you should not be like the world? You should not be like the world or conform to the world because this world and everything like the world is destined for destruction. It is all destined for destruction. We wrap our arms around it. We love on it. We kiss on it. We slobber all over it. We embrace it. No, this is, oh, I love this kingdom. And we don't realize that it's full of poison and it's full of death and it's full of filth and it's full of wickedness and that God has destined it for destruction. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are going to go straight to hell with their arms wrapped around this world. 
There's going to be a lot of individuals going to straight to hell while they're kissing on the world and loving on the world because they're not loving on Jesus Christ. Because they've not established the government of God in their life. Because they're walking according to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Because they're serving Satan instead of the king. We wonder why the kingdom of God isn't coming into our lives, church. The truth is, without Jesus Christ in our lives, without the government of God in our lives, sin will rule. Sin will rule. Corruption will rule and evil will rule and lust and hatred and greed and gossip and wickedness and unrighteousness will rule in the hearts of men. Without Jesus Christ, without the Spirit of God and the government of God ruling and reigning in your heart and in your life, there's only one other kingdom that will rule and one other kingdom that will reign and that is the kingdom of darkness. And everything dark will rule and reign in our lives. That's why we need the government of God established in our lives so that we can rule in righteousness so that we can rule in holiness so that we can rule in love and joy and all these things that represent the image of God and the character of God if we do not church have it established in our lives darkness will rule instead without Christ without the kingdom of God chaos and confusion and darkness will rule Look at any country, look at any nation, look at any society where there is no government and there is chaos and confusion and violence, and debauchery and all sorts of other evils where there is no government. And the same reality goes, listen to me, if you've got the wrong government established in your life, your life's going to be full of hell. If you've got the wrong government established in your life, your life is going to be filled with chaos. Your life is going to be filled with confusion. And your life is going to be covered with darkness. And I'll show you this in Scripture, church. If you don't grasp anything, I want you to grasp what I'm getting to next. And I don't even know how much time I'm going to have. But again, we'll go as far as the Holy Spirit takes me. Here's what we need to understand. That without the Word of God... And without the Spirit of God and without the government of God to direct our lives and to direct our thoughts and to direct our words and to direct our hearts, church, our lives will walk in darkness and our lives will walk in despair. Understand, I hope I don't get too teachy, but I want you to understand this. When Satan was cast out of heaven for rebelling against the government of God, and I want you to grasp this, he didn't just rebel against God. He rebelled against the government of God. He didn't like his ranking. He didn't like his position. He didn't like the rules that God set forth. He wanted to be a little higher. He wanted another stripe. He wanted another bar. He wanted another pin. He didn't like where God had him in his government and in his ranking and in his structure. He wanted more. He rebelled against the government of God just like man does. But listen, when he rebelled against the government of God, he was cast out. He was cast out. But here's the lesson that I want you to learn. When he was cast out, he was cast out into a world, the Bible says, that was without form. He was cast out into a world that was void and empty, the Bible says. He was cast out into a world that, that was covered with darkness. It says in Genesis 1-2, there was a world that was without form. It was void and empty and darkness covered the earth, the Bible says. This is what Satan was cast into, church. At this point in what we call time, 
the earth had no structure. At this point in time, the earth had no boundaries. At this point in what we call time, the earth had no government established upon it, church. At this point, there was no government of God. Because the word of God, listen, and I hope you grasp it, because the word of God had not yet been spoken. Because the word of God had not yet been released upon the earth. Because the word of God had not yet been established upon the earth. And because the word of God had not yet set any boundaries upon the earth. I hope you get where I'm going with this. I hope that the Holy Spirit is starting to enlighten you a little bit, church, because at this point, the earth had no government because the word of God had not yet been spoken. And because of it, it was without form. It was void and empty and darkness covered the earth. And I'm not sure if you're going to be able to grasp this or not. I pray that you do. But without the government of God in our lives will be exactly the same. Without the rule of God and the structure of God, without the boundaries of God and the ordinances of God and the structure of God and the statutes of God being fixed and established in our lives, our hearts, like this earth, will be covered with darkness. Our hearts and our lives will be covered with darkness without the government of God being established. Listen, without the word of God being spoken into our lives, how shall they hear unless someone preaches to them? Until the word of God is spoken into our lives, until the word of God is released into our lives, until the word of God is fixed and established in our lives, until the word of God comes and sets some boundaries about our life, until the word of God hems us in, church, our lives will be covered with darkness. And our lives will be without form. They will be void and empty. And this world is filled with individuals who are void and empty because they do not have the government of God established in their lives. And it's not just in the world. It's sitting in the church. There are lives in the house of God that are empty. Their lives in the house of God that are without any form. Their lives are filled with chaos. Their lives are filled with confusion. And you cannot find the likeness of God. There's no light. It's all dark. And I'm telling you, church, this is a biblical principle. That without the, the, the government of God being established in your life, at every level, at every level... Listen, we are children of light. This is light. Any area that the light of God is not reflected into is dark. Darkness can't exist where there's light. So what the devil does, man, he just capitalizes on those areas of your life where the light of God isn't shining. You don't bring prayer into your marriage, and you don't bring the Word of God into your marriage. You don't bring church into your marriage, and, the, and Christian fellowship into your marriage. So guess where the devil's going to go? He's going to go after your marriage, and he's going to loose the hounds of hell into your marriage. Because there's no light there. And the darkness of God will descend, and that marriage will turn to chaos, and that marriage will turn to confusion, or, or any area of your life. Any area. You don't bring God into your finances. Because you don't tithe. Because you rob God and don't give to God. Because you don't cast light. Listen, you don't cast light into your finances. God can't multiply it. And then you wonder why how much you had, the abundance that you had, all of a sudden turns into nothing. 
because you didn't let the light of God's government in. You see, part of God's government says that if you're going to be part of my family, you got to give 10% of what I've blessed you with. That's part of God's rule. That's part of God's government. Oh, I don't want to do that, God. If I do that, I can't eat here and I can't eat there. Now, listen to me. I know that a lot of you, I know there's a lot of individuals that have severe, severe financial difficulties right now. They got nothing to give. But you can still give yourself to God. You can still do everything that God wants you to do. You can still exercise your faith and go out there and do something to let God release blessings into your life. James said, you show me your faith by what you say. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Listen, some of you got to start doing something. Some of you got to start giving, serving, working, looking, asking, knocking, doing something. You know, so many of us, we act like the Thessalonians. They sat around. If you don't know what the Thessalonians did, it was a city that sat around just waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Oh, the kingdom of God is coming so I can forsake my obligations here. They forsake their marital obligations and they forsook their financial obligations and they forsook their family uh, responsibilities. And they stood around waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And God rebuked them because that's not what you're supposed to do. God rebuked them. Because even though that seeking the kingdom of God is supposed to be your priority doesn't mean you don't have to fulfill anything else in your life. What God was saying is when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, I told you last week, all he did was move some other priorities down. All he did was move them down. He didn't take them away. We have responsibilities, church, and we got to live up to them. We got to make sure that we are we are faithful in all of these areas. That's how God releases his power and blessings into our lives. That wasn't even in my notes, but the Holy Spirit hit me with that. And so I share it. But what we need to understand, church, is that without the government of God in our lives, like there was no government over the earth, our lives will be uh, without form. They'll be void and they'll be empty. So God looked upon the earth and what did he do? He brought form to the earth. He brought structure to the earth. He set boundaries for the earth. You know it. He told the sun when to shine and when the sun to go down. He told the seasons when to come and when they should go. He told the wind when, the wind when it could blow and he told the plants when they could grow. He told the moon when it should glow. He told the birds when they could sing. He told, he told the, you know, he told the grass when to grow. He, he, he set a structure and he began to create a government upon the face of the earth. He, he, he set his word forth and it began to produce church. I want you to understand that every time God speaks his word, he's speaking his government. That every time God speaks his word, he's speaking his power. And he's speaking his authority. It's what God did. As soon as he opened his mouth and he said, let there be light, he was exercising his government. He was establishing a government where there was no government. He brought light to darkness. He brought form to that which had no form. He brought structure and order to that which was filled with chaos. Are you grasping what I'm saying, church? Without Jesus Christ, we're that earth. And somewhere along the way, God has to speak his word into our life and create a government so that life can come forth and so that we can produce and be blessed. The earth wasn't blessed until, it, until, until a government had taken place. God didn't bless anything until a government was in place. Read it yourself. 
Read when he blessed the earth and the people. It was after he created a government. It was after he spoke his word. And the same thing happens in our life. Listen, we can't expect the kingdom of God and the blessings of God and the power of God to come into our life until we allow him to speak a government into our life. But God, I don't like that. I don't like that. Well, God, you know, be not unequally yoked. You mean I got to give that up? Don't like that government. You mean I shouldn't drink and party? Throw that out. You mean I can't sleep around anymore? Throw that out. You mean I got to give up my crooked dealings and my crooked ways so I can make some extra money? We throw that out. And before you know it, the government of God has no power in our lives because we've usurped it like Lucifer did. We usurped it like Adam and Eve did. They thought they could still live in the kingdom. They thought they could still live in the light. They thought they could still live in the blessings even after they usurped the government of God. But I want you to understand that as soon as we start tearing pages out of this book, as soon as we start tearing up the the government of God, don't expect the Garden of Eden in your life. You see, God will put you out. And the reason he'll put you out is because you are no longer a reflection of the kingdom. Because you no longer are a reflection of him. Because you no longer look like him and act like him and talk like him. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, listen, that's why we are to act and live like the kingdom of God. So there's no misunderstanding. You see, the thing that, the thing that so must frustrate God is how many individuals make the claim of Christian and the the world out there can't tell the difference. The world out there can't tell the difference between those who say they're in the light and those they know that are in the darkness. They look the same, talk the same, act the same, cheat the same, lie the same, gossip the same, curse the same, smoke the same, drink the same, dance the same. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with dancing, but I'm talking about worldly dirty dancing, okay? talking about those things that don't bring any glory to the Lord. And we need to understand without the government of God in our life, that's what we'll look like. We'll look like the government of the world. We will look like darkness instead of looking like light. So here's what happened. The government of God was established. The government of God was released. The truth is God created a government and man was made to rule according to that government in the Garden of Eden. But the problem is, Satan caused man to rebel against the government of God like he did in heaven. I rebelled against God in heaven. I rebelled against his government. I rebelled against his authority. And I got kicked out. And I'm going to do the same to his creation. He looked at Adam and Eve. See, he was cast out into darkness. He was cast out into darkness. He was cast out into that thing that was void and empty and had no form. He, you understand what I'm saying? Well, there was nothing about what he was cast into, and he got jealous again. Now he sees God begin to speak a new government. He begins to see God bring his kingdom from heaven down onto earth. And he wanted to ruin that. He, he didn't like his position down there either. So he tried to usurp God once again, and he speaks a lie to Adam and Eve. And guess what happened? They, they bought it. They usurped the authority and the government of God, and they got kicked out just like Lucifer did. You see, man is still rebelling today just like Adam and Eve were there. And like I said earlier, we wonder why our lives are without any form and why they're empty. We, we kick the government of God out of our schools, and we why darkness and chaos and confusion has descended. 
But we, we don't have the government of God established in our marriages or in our families or in our finances. And we wonder why chaos is ruling and confusion is reigning. And we wonder why the goodness of God and the kingdom of God isn't descending. We why, wonder why the blessings aren't coming. Because we don't want the government of God interfering with our lives. Because we don't want the government of God dictating our lives or controlling our lives or ordering our lives like it does, church. He orders the steps of the righteous, the Bible says. But the righteous understand what God's doing. The righteous understand that He is ordering their footsteps into power. He understands that they, the the righteous understand that God is ordering their footsteps into blessings and into power and into promises. You see, the word righteous means, to be righteous means to be conformed to God's established standards. Conformed to God's established standards. Listen to me. If you're righteous, if you are conformed to God's established standards, which were established from the foundation of the earth, the Bible says, from before you and I ever breathed, the government of God was already established, but the righteous, those who yield themselves and conform themselves to the established standards of God, They don't care where God leads them. They don't care where God directs them because they understand that God is leading me into blessing. Because God is leading me into His promise. Because God is about to bring the kingdom of God into my life. So the righteous, the Bible says, they don't care where God orders their footsteps because He knows where that God's ordering them in a right way. The unrighteous, those are the ones... That, that think differently, church. But this is what we have to understand. We've got to stop thinking that we can do what is right in our own eyes instead of the eyes of God and expect the kingdom of God to come into our life. Far too many people think the kingdom of God is a democracy when it's not. Far too many people think the kingdom of God, that we can take a vote on the word of God. If I can get ten of my buddies together and think, oh, you know what? Let's vote on this. Like some churches voted that homosexuality is okay. That some denominations voted that it's okay to have a homosexual behind the pulpit of God. I want you to understand, church. Please listen to me. God is not a democracy where you vote. And if you vote against the Word of God, don't expect the kingdom of God to come into your life. I will promise you that any church that has debauchery standing behind its pulpit is without form. I want you to understand that any pulpit that is filled with debauchery is empty and void and does not have kingdom power in its life. They can live a lie. Can act it. Look, I'm not, I'm not condemning the individual. I'm condemning the concept and I'm condemning the sin. Those individuals need to come to the truth and they need to come to a saving knowledge. But the reality is that that there's far too many people who think the kingdom of God is a democracy. They think the kingdom of God is like Burger King where you can have it your way. But it doesn't work that way, church, because they don't understand the principle of God's government. I'm going to start bringing this to an end. The sad reality is, church, too many people want his kingdom to come. But they want his government to stay away. They want his power and his provisions and his promises to come into their lives, but they want his government to stay away. They want to, they want the king of glory to pour out blessings that they can't contain, but he's not seated on the throne of their heart and the kingdom of God can't come. 
You see, the problem is we want to reap what we haven't sown. We want to harvest what we haven't planted. The thing is, we want, we want to reap from the kingdom of light while we are living like, like children of the, uh, of the world, like children of darkness. And, and if that's the case, we cannot have the blessings of God come into our life, church. Listen, I want to I want to try to find a place to bring this to a close. But the truth is, if we are unwilling to sow ourselves into the kingdom of God, then we can't expect to reap anything from the kingdom of God. If we are not willing to sow ourselves into the kingdom of God, then don't expect to reap anything from the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, like I said earlier, there's a lot of individuals who have been in the house of God and family of God for years, but they've yet to sow anything into the kingdom. They've yet to sow their time, their talents, their treasures, their tithe. They fail to tie their worship and their, and their praise. They fail to sow anything into the kingdom of God, and they wonder why they're not reaping from the kingdom of God. They wonder why there's so many areas of their life that are lacking church. Here's what I'm closing with. Last week, I gave you the passage of Scripture where Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We understand and remember that the word kingdom, Jesus used the word basilia and He used the word mamloka, both which mean dominion. That's the Greek and the Hebrew. Both of them mean dominion and both of them mean royal reign. But he didn't stop there. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And like I said, the word righteousness means confirmation to established standards. So to wrap this all up, what God is saying to get our priorities straight, church, not only do we seek his dominion, not only do we seek his royal power, not only do we seek his authority, we must seek to conform ourselves to his government. And unless we do that, church, the kingdom of God won't come. Unless we seek, it's not enough to seek, we must conform ourselves to his government as well. And if we don't, the kingdom won't come. But if we do, the kingdom is sure to come. If we seek the kingdom of God and conform to his standards, church, the kingdom of God and the power of God and the authority of God will descend upon our lives. And here's what I close with. I keep saying I'm going to close, but the last thing the devil wants you to do is to operate in God's power. The last thing the devil wants you to do is operate in God's authority. The last thing the devil wants you to do is operate in God's dominion because he knows it's the only authority, it's the only power, and it's the only dominion that has rule and reign over his. He doesn't care about any other government. He doesn't care about any other authority. There's only one government that has more power than his, and that's the government of God. So he'll do everything he can to get you to usurp the government of God. Because if you allow it to be established into your life, God's kingdom will surely come. His power will come. His authority will come. His dominion will come. And then you will have everything that you need to do battle against the devil. So this is what we need to understand, church. There is a principle of priority that must be established in our life. And there must be. God's government established in her life. If you're here tonight and you say, God, I want your kingdom to come and I'm willing to allow your government to be established in my life. then I just want you to stand with me, because as you stand, what you're saying is, God, you're going to be the number one government. I'm going to yield myself to your rule. I'm going to yield myself to your word. I'm going to yield my life, my marriage, my everything that I have. 
I'm going to allow the government of God to reign supreme over my life. And when we do, his kingdom will come. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that aided me, Father God, and anointed me to bring forth your root and I thank your, your word. And I thank you that that same spirit, God, has opened up ears. I thank you that that same Holy Spirit opened up hearts, Lord, and I pray that you gave them understanding. I pray that you gave them insight, Father God, and now I pray that you would give them the courage and the fortitude, Father God, to implement everything that they've heard. I pray tonight, Father God, that every single one of us would yield ourselves to the government of God. I pray, Father God, that we would no longer walk in our own ways or do what is right in our own eyes, but that we would yield ourselves to the government of God, that you would rule supreme in our life, that you would reign upon the throne of our hearts and the throne of our thoughts and the throne of our words, the throne of our marriage and the throne of our family and our finances, the throne of our businesses and our relationships, God, the the throne of our decisions, Lord God. Because someone will sit on that throne, and if it's not you, God, it'll be the wrong king. So I pray, God, that we would surrender ourselves to your government so that your kingdom can come into our lives. Help us to get our priorities straight and establish your government in our lives so as we go further in this study, we will be well prepared to receive your blessings and your privileges and your power. We thank you once again for your word, God. Pray that you would go with your people as they leave, hem them in, protect them, and let this be a week of supernatural blessings in their life. God, I know there's some individuals that are looking for work. God, I know there's some individuals that are looking for a job. Individuals, God, that are waiting for their marriage to be restored or waiting, Father God, for some supernatural miracle. And I pray, God, that as they conform themselves to your government, that your kingdom would come into their lives. And God, if they've already opened themselves to that government, I pray that they would begin to exercise that authority that they have in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that they would begin to exercise that power they have through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that they would begin to exercise the dominion that you have given them over everything in this earth, God. Give us courage and give us boldness and let us walk in your spirit and in light this week. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord one more time as we always do, church? Amen. Amen. If you have a special need, be happy to pray and tarry with you. Keep me in your prayers this week because I told you that I don't know where the Holy Spirit is taking us. This is a study that... I just need to let God impart with me every week. So keep that in prayer uh, during this week. Amen. I'll keep you in prayer as well. God bless you as you go.